0: Chapter six. We'll get to there in just a second. <clears throat> we we live we live in a world of extremes, and I think. Uh, well, I'm not supposed to say I think. It seems, whenever you like, read books on preaching or lessons on it, you're never supposed to say I think. It should be something more intelligent than I think. <laughs> it appears, from my vast experience, <laughs> no, I think, I think all of us would agree that we kind of live in a world of extremes. Uh, everything seems to be taken to an extreme, uh, you know, what is called protesting in our culture is, is rioting. That's what it is. You know, it's not protesting, and then, Anything that is an actual protest that, for a good cause, the left will say that it's an insurrection or something like that. I mean, it's taken to an extreme. And I think that's the world that we live in. And the longer that, the more that the flesh, the more uh, that the sinful nature controls things, the more things rage out of control. I think that's the, the thought because it's, the, it's humankind. It's the sinful nature that's at the heart. And when the sinful nature controls things, naturally the course is a downward spiral. And if it wasn't for the Spirit of God withholding, if it wasn't for the Spirit of God you know, standing in the way, uh, the, the world would and will completely spiral out of control. I think in Genesis chapter 6, you find a description of that. And things getting worse and worse until there is no restraint. In Genesis 6 and verse 12, the Bible says, And God looked upon the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted His way upon the earth. And God said unto Noah, The end of all flesh is come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them. And behold, I will destroy them with the earth. You read... Later on in Genesis chapter 18, where the Bible says that the cry of Sodom and Gomorrah because of their sin uh, was very grievous to God. And sin is very grievous to the Lord. But things spiral out of control. Romans 1 is a great example. We're not gonna, we won't take the time to look at all of it, but just look in Romans 1. Chapter 1, I'll just direct your attention to one verse, but Romans chapter 1 is a perfect description. It catalogs the downward spiral of society and of mankind when there is no restraint and the flesh has control. By the time you get down to verse 29 of Romans chapter 1, the Bible says, being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters of uh, inventing of evil things, disobedient to parents without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, implacable, it means obstinate or unyielding, unmerciful who, knowing the judgment of God, that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. That catalogs perfectly the downward spiral of societies or mankind when there is no restraint and the flesh has control. Now go over to Galatians chapter 5. In Galatians chapter 5... Look at verse 19. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like, of the which I tell you before as I have also told you in the past that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. You read the description of the works of the flesh in Galatians 5, it sounds a whole lot like what we just read in Romans chapter 1, the, and the, what, the, the, what it looks like, the downward spiral of society when there is no restraint. Well, Galatians 5, 19 is the setting for the very next section of Galatians 5, which is the fruit of the Spirit. And it's designed to show a contrast between the works of the flesh and fruit that the Spirit of God produces. One of the things that the Spirit of God produces, if you look at the list, is temperance. And we look in, in verse 23 and you see the list in verse 22, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, generous goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. And I want to talk to you about temperance this afternoon. And we're setting that in contrast with what I just said, the, the no restraint in life, the, the flesh having control, what it leads to. The word temperance, basically refers to mastery over all evil inclinations and appetites. It basically talks about a, or, or means a, a proper and limited use of all earthly enjoyments. Because there are things that aren't bad in and of themselves. They can be enjoyments, but an abundance of that can lead to something that is sinful. And temperance is a proper and limited use of earthly enjoyments that keeps your senses uh, and the flesh in proper restraint. In other words, temperance basically means balance or self-control from the Spirit of God. And that is something that God wants to produce in his children, is temperance. Balance, self-control. God doesn't want us to be living with extremes. And we may not live with extremes say in the world. We may not live with extremes, you know, in our flesh that's extremely out of control. We may not we might not live that way, but all too often we can live with extremes when it comes to feelings, when it comes to emotions, when it comes to reactions, when it comes to habits and when it comes to our lifestyle. And God wants us to be balanced. The fleshly tendency, the fleshly tendency is to always go to extremes. The tendency to be quick to jump to conclusions is symptomatic of something that is extreme in our life. And so we're going to talk about this idea of temperance. We're going to discuss what it means, where it comes from in the Word of God. We're going to see how the Word of God commands it from us, and then we're going to look at areas where we need to practice that in our life, and then other areas where we can be strengthened in it. And that's where we're going to go this afternoon. And prayerfully, it will be practical and helpful. All right, let's pray. Lord, would you help us understand your Word this afternoon? Again, we praise you for the Word of God, that you uh, use it to teach us as children of God, that we can be truly furnished unto all good works. We can grow into the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The word temperate or temperance, either one, both of those words, they mean the same thing, but they're only found about six times in all of the Bible. The word temperance is found three times Acts 24 and verse 25, As he reasoned of righteousness, temperance, and judgment to come, Felix trembled and answered, Go thy way for this time when I have a convenient season. I will call for thee. 2 Peter 1, 5 says, And beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience. And then you see it in Galatians five twenty three, here where we just read. The word temperate, is only found three times as well, in First Corinthians chapter nine and verse twenty-five. And every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. Titus one eight, uh, but a lover of hospitality, a lover of good men, sober, just, holy, temperate. That's part of the qualifications for a man in the ministry: is that he has temperance in his life. Titus chapter 2 and verse 2, but speak thou the things which become sound doctrine, that the aged men be sober, grave, temperate, sound in faith, in charity, in patience. What should be in the lives of the saints and what God considers to be sound doctrine is this matter of temperance. Did you notice that? But speak thou the things which become sound doctrine. That the aged men be sober, grave, temperate, sound in faith and charity and patience. God considers it sound doctrine to have it in your life. So it is important. The Word of God speaks on it. Not just does the Word of God speak on it, though, friend. The Word of God commands it. Temperance is commanded. The Christian's three enemies, the world, the flesh, the devil, all of those things. Listen, let me, let me just... Give you a clue about something you probably didn't know this, but I'll just help you out with this, okay? Too many times, the world and the devil get blamed for our problems, when in reality, the real problem is our flesh that is out of control. The devil gets blamed for our failures, but the reason there's a failure is because our flesh isn't under control. God wants us to be temperate, this self control and balance. Is commanded in the lives of the saints of God. We read Titus 1:8, to be a lover of hospitality, a lover of good men, to be sober, to be just, to be holy, to be temperate. That is qualification for a man of God to be in the ministry. Look in Titus chapter 2. Well, we I, I quoted this verse to you already, so skip that one. But go to 2 Peter chapter 1. Titus 2.2 again talks about sound doctrine being temperate in 2nd Peter chapter 1 in verse 5 and beside all this giving all diligence add to your faith virtue and to virtue knowledge and to knowledge temperance and to temperance again that's balance patience and to patience godliness Add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance. This is what God's will is for His people. So, let's just talk about some areas of life where temperance should be practiced. Look in Proverbs chapter 23 with me. Just some practical areas of life where this balance and self-control... Needs to be practiced. And again, it's a fruit that the Spirit of God produces as we yield to the Spirit of God. The first, Proverbs 23, we find it dealing with our appetite. The Bible says, "...when thou sittest to eat with a ruler, consider diligently what is before thee, and put a knife to thy throat, if thou be a man given to appetite. Be not desirous of his dainties, for they are deceitful meat." You know that part of our stewardship that we have to the Lord is being good stewards of the body that God gave to us? Our appetite is something that should be under control. If we are not temperate in this area of appetite, what does the Bible say? Put a knife to your throat if you be a man that's given to appetite. I know I how do you say it. How do you say this tactfully? <laughs> um, it has nothing to do with you. It has, it has a lot to do with, with people who stand in positions of authority, like pastors. Honestly, personally, I feel like it's a shame and it's a bad testimony when you have pastors who are very, very large, large men who are standing in the pulpit talking about, Thus saith the Lord. When there is it's clear that there is a part of their life that is not under control. Now, don't get me wrong. Sometimes there can be health issues and all that kind of stuff. I'm not talking about that. The Bible clearly says a man given to appetite, he ought to put a knife to his throat. It's, it's a matter of testimony, it's a matter of good stewardship uh, with, the, with the body that God gave to us. It's an area of our life where temperance should be practiced. What about our thoughts? Look at Proverbs chapter 4. Proverbs chapter 4. Proverbs 4 and verse 23. Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. We're going to talk about our speech in a second here, but verse 24 says, Put away from thee a froward mouth, and perverse lips put far from thee. We can read over in 2 Corinthians chapter 10 regarding the thoughts and the thought life. i will just read it to you uh, if you're not there yet. But 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 5, the Bible says, Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God, and bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Thoughts under control. Bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Our appetite, our thoughts. How about our, how about our tongue? How about our speech? This is an area of life where temperance needs to be practiced. Look in Psalm 19. Psalm 19 and verse 14. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart Be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. The psalmist says, I want the words of my mouth to be acceptable in the sight of the Lord. Psalm 141. Psalm 141 in verse 3. Set a watch, O Lord, before my mouth. Keep the doors of my lips. Incline not my heart to any evil thing. To practice wicked works with men that work iniquity, and let me not eat of their dainties. It says, set a watch on my mouth, keep the doors of my lips. It's, it's restrained, it's under control. How about Proverbs chapter 13? Proverbs chapter 13 and verse 3. He that keepeth his mouth keepeth his life. But he that openeth wide his lips shall have destruction. And then you know what James chapter 3 teaches us regarding the tongue, that it's an unruly evil. That it's, though it's a very small thing, it can cause great damage. The tongue can be out of control. It can cause a world of hurt, according to James chapter 3. We need to have a watch over it. And you say, well, how does that really apply? I mean, it's not like I walk around cursing or anything like that. It's not those kinds of things, honestly, that the saints of God have to watch over. You know what it is? It can be too much jesting, too much joking. It can be gossip, and it can be backbiting. Those are all things that come from this right here that needs to be under control. You know what? There's a time for joking. There's a time for jesting. I'm all for it. I love it. I absolutely love it. But it can also go too far sometimes. And I've been guilty of it too. It can become out of balance in our life where everything's a joke, or, uh, you know, we have a tendency to, uh, you know, we're, we're bantering with somebody or we put people down in jest, but there's always a bit of truth to it. You understand what I'm saying? It can become out of balance. Our speech, what does the Bible say our speech ought to do, rather? Rather than put people down, rather than talk about people, rather than backbiting and gossiping, the Bible says that our speech ought to build and edify people far more than anything else. I mean, if we have a tendency to start... Tearing people down or start talking about people whenever we get together, that might be something that we need to take a look at that's a little bit out of balance in our life. Instead, how about we talk about the same people and we build them up and we edify them. Or that the speech that we are giving to those who hear, because it's seasoned with salt and it's grace and it ministers grace to people instead. That's how our tongue should be used. So we can't think that, well, my tongue is out of control, that, that I'm not practicing temperance in my life, in this area of my life. We can't, we can't be so quick to say that, that we've got this under control. You following me here? Am I stepping on toes yet? I haven't started yet because this next one's going to be hard. What about our spirit, our emotions, our feelings? An area where temperance needs to be practiced. And trust me, trust me when I say this. This is absolutely for me, too, okay? Not pointing anybody out here or preaching at any person. This is stuff we all need to hear. Especially, you know, you might not be one who is prone to extremes in your emotions or feelings, but we very much can be prone to extremes in our responses to people. Look at Proverbs chapter 16, since we're here in Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 16 and verse 32. He that is slow to anger is better than the mighty. And he that ruleth his spirit than he that taketh a city. You're stronger and you're better than the mighty and those who can conquer cities if you're one who has his spirit under control. Slow to anger and ruleth his spirit. Real strength in a person is found when they are able to not retaliate in word or deed when the situation really, really makes you want to retaliate in word and deed. Look at Proverbs 25. We'll just stay here in Proverbs. Proverbs 25 and verse 28. He that hath no rule over his own spirit is like a city that is broken down and without walls. Those phrases broken down, without walls. It really means vulnerable. It means unprotected, which results in ruins. So you get the picture here. He that hath no rule over his own spirit, he's exposed. He's vulnerable. He's unprotected. His life is probably going to end in ruins. That's where it can lead to. Extremes in personality often lead to extremes in our responses to life circumstances. And this can vary. It's not like one particular personality type is just the only one that's prone to this. For example, there are people who are prone to say things without really thinking, right? That's their tendency. Their response is just to fire away at whatever and they say something without really thinking. And what does it often lead to? When you say things without thinking, what does it lead to? It leads to more trouble usually because that's going to precipitate somebody else to say something or to react a certain way or to make an assumption and all of these things. I think that's maybe more my tendency, not necessarily to say things without thinking, but to say things that I don't necessarily mean in extreme situations or tense situations like this is happening and so my response is like well we'll just do this then And it's like the complete opposite and it's like whoa 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 where did that come from that's (laughs) and I don't really mean it but my personality or my extreme tendency caused me to react that way but what happens when I do that I say hurtful things things I don't necessarily mean in my soul, but they cause damage and hurt to somebody else. Well, then what do I have to do? Well, now I've got to go back with my tail between my legs and my head down and be like, I'm really sorry for saying that. I didn't really mean it. But you know what? Sometimes the damage is already done. Or sometimes you just do it too many times. And you've created something. Because of a constant tendency in your life may the lord help us to have our spirit under control that's one extreme personality maybe that would lead to extremes in responses but what about the tendency toward fear the tendency toward fear this is another one often exaggerating or imagining things to be worse than they really are and what does it lead to it leads to actions and responses that are often not logical at all because I've imagined this and I've come to this conclusion in my head it's way worse than it really is and it causes me to react in a way that actually doesn't make any sense at all it's not logical because of a tendency toward fear. Being controlled by our feelings, which as you know, can change moment by moment, right? It keeps us from being guided by principle and it's destabilizing in our life and it leads to acting impulsively, which causes more trouble. Trust me, I'm going to say it again. This is not necessarily for you or at you this applies to me and I don't want people thinking like oh he's preaching right at me highlighting some area of your life well I might know that to be true about you but this is actually for me okay (laughs) sometimes people make bad decisions sometimes people ruin relationships Or other times people have the tendency to have their feelings easily hurt for not any really good reason. And it's all because of this need or lack of temperance in our life. Temperance is moderation. Temperance is control. Temperance is balance when it comes to emotions, when it comes to feelings, when it comes to responses. God wants us to be godly, Christ-like in those things. And we need the Lord's help. Obviously, it comes from the Spirit of God, not something that we can produce. I think we need to understand that our fleshly tendencies are things that are going to take us to extremes and Even understanding ourselves to some degree is helpful in realizing what could actually be potential problems in our life. And so these are areas of life, and there's probably several others. We don't have the time to look at probably every area that it applies to, but areas of our life that temperance is needed. But consider this with me then, temperance strengthened. What can I do to help in this area of temperance or self-control or balance in my life. There are a few practical things that we can do to help ourselves yield to the Spirit of God and to keep this flesh or our fleshly tendencies under control. First of all, look in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. The first thing is to die to self daily. What are some things that we can do? to help yield to the Spirit of God, this, so that temperance is produced in us. Well, dying to self daily is an important one. In First Corinthians chapter 9, in verse 25, the Bible says, And every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we, an incorruptible, I therefore so run... Not as uncertainly, so fight I, not as one that beateth the air, but I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. Exercising of self-restraint is something that is active, it's something that is on purpose, it's something that has a goal in mind in the actions of, that we are partaking in. And the Apostle Paul says that he keeps under his body. He brings it into subjection. That phrase, keep under my body, basically means to, to hit under the eye. It's like to, to an uppercut. It's like a, a punch right under the eye. And you look at the context there. He, he talks about boxing. He says, so fight I, not as one that beateth the air. I'm not just randomly shadow boxing here. My opponent is my flesh, and I'm gonna punch it right in the eye. That's what he's talking about. Bringing it into subjection. The phrase means to trip, but then to keep it down when it is down. In other words, it kinda has the idea of a wrestling match. You know, you pin your opponent to the mat. That's the idea, to keep it down when it's down. You trip it up, and then you keep it down when it's down. This is an allusion not only to boxers, but also to wrestlers. And the apostle considers his body as his enemy with which he must contend. He must mortify it by self-denial, by abstinence, by severe labor and effort to make it a slave so that it doesn't control him. We ought to have our body as a slave to the soul, not the soul, a slave to the body. It's good to practice at denying self. Just to practice. It's good to practice in regular life things. Just to say, you know what, I don't need to do this. I want to do this, but I don't need to do it today. And it's not going to hurt if I do it today, but you know what? Just for the sake of practice, I'm just not going to. I'm going to practice saying no. Or the normal routine of things, you know, you, usually we think about ourselves first when we're doing just simple, normal things, and it's like not that big of a deal. I'll give you, I'll give you an example. Uh, just today at lunchtime, walked into the kitchen, to go get some coffee. And here's Jen Hansen. She's gonna pour coffee. But you know what she did? Instead of pouring herself a cup of coffee, she got a cup out and she gave it to me and she said, Here, you first. And she said, I'll pour you a cup of coffee. And you're like, Well, that's not a big deal. Actually, it kind of is a big deal. It kind of is. Because we habitually do things, right? And it it wouldn't be uncommon at all for two cups of coffee there, and I'm going to pour myself one first, and then I'll pour one for somebody else. Well, what did we just do? Well, I took care of myself first, and then I took care of somebody else. When in our mind, we could just simply say, for the sake of practice, this is simple, this is silly, but I'm not going to pour mine first. I'm going to pour somebody else's first, and then I'll do mine. Why? Well, that's silly, Pastor. You can think that if you want to. I don't think it is, but I'm training my mind. I'm training my mind to think of somebody else first. That's a good thing to do. at denying self just because. The Apostle Paul said he keeps under his body. He punches it in the eye. He trips it up, and then he wants to keep it down. So that it be, doesn't become his master. And I'm simply saying, dying to self daily is a good way to help practice at yielding to the Spirit of God. Amen? How about making, not making provisions for our flesh? Romans 13:14. But put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ, and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. Why? Well, Proverbs 22 and verse 3 says, A prudent man foreseeth the evil and hideth himself, but the simple pass on and are punished. How many times have we fallen into the category of being simple? Right? The main thing, though, that's going to help us in this area of temperance is by putting the Word of God into our heart. That is the main thing. By putting the word of God in the heart. Psalm 119, you know the the verses, but verse 9 and verse 11. Psalm 119 and verse 9, the Bible says, Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? That's a question. Here's the answer. By taking heed thereto according to thy word. Verse 11, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Ultimately, the key to walking in the Spirit is to be feasting on and dwelling on God's Word. That is the key. If we are not doing that, what do you think is going to happen? The natural course, the natural result. Look at Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians 5 verse 18 And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible commands us to be filled with the Spirit of God. One thing that could help, verse 19, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns, and spiritual songs and giving thanks being thankful we won't break all of those verses down the key though is having God's word in the heart and if you look at colossians chapter 3 colossians chapter 3 with me one one last scripture verse here in verse 16 let the word of christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in the heart to the Lord. And whatsoever ye do, in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. We cannot have temperance or self-control without Holy Spirit control. We cannot be controlled by the Holy Spirit without letting the Word of God dwell in us richly. How do we develop in this Christian character quality, if you will? Well, we've got to remember it's a fruit. It's not an action. It's a fruit. It's not from us, but it's from the Spirit of God. So, the question is, do we work harder at trying to produce these characteristics? Well, we do have a part to play, but our part to play isn't necessarily working harder. Our part to play is that we yield more. We're to work at yielding, living, and walking in the Spirit, and He then will produce His character in us. Is this a Christ-like Character, quality in you. Temperance. Balance. Well, maybe in a lot of areas, but maybe there's some. But you know what? This is not really yielded to the Lord. And the Lord wants me to have more Holy Spirit control when it comes to this matter of temperance. Maybe it's the tongue. Maybe it's the feelings, the emotions. Maybe it's the responses. Maybe it's something else. But let's ask the Lord to help us to yield to Him. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we pray that you'd use your word. It is also always so very practical for our life. And pray that you help us just meditate for a little while and think on the areas of our life that this applies to. And I certainly know that there is work for me to do. There's areas of my life that are not balanced. Or I'm prone to extremes in these things. And I don't want to be. And Lord, I pray that you'd help me to yield to you more. Thank you for the day. Thank you for your people. In Jesus' name, amen.